Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Ask Brian Writing Show on KHTX 1220 and 98.1 FM. Well, for those of you who have never listened to the Ask Brian Show, we are going to explain a couple of things. First of all, why is Ask Brian spelled with a E? Why is it spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? Because most people spell Brian, B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N, but nobody spells it with an E, except if you're Irish and you're part of the O'Brien family. But not everybody is. So, we want to ask our expert in E. Matt, are you there? I am here, Peter. All right. So, why in the world are we spelling the Brian with an E? I mean, my name is Peter. I mean, so why? It's not ask Peter. So, we'll get into that in a second. But why? Why do we spell Brian with an E? Are we laughing here, Tracy? <laughs> We should by the way, Peter I think people want to know why the show's not named Ask Peter way more than they want to know why Ask Brian. <laughs> 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 I think that is the absolute shocker question. <laughs> so we have a lot of shocker questions, but we have our detailed E-man. This is why is Brian spelled with an E? Yes, that's right. You that's me. I am the detailed E-man, and there's many reasons. <laughs> One of the first ones is because E is for education, because we try to educate our listeners each week about business. Well, that's a good thing to do. People can always learn. That's a great, great idea. And by the way, it's almost like e-learning. Ooh, that is an E, too. All right. What are the reasons that I... It's buying spelled with an E. Learning never ends. It never ends, Peter. Learning does never end. That is true. (laughs) Well, E is also for experts because our guests are experts in their field. What does that mean to be an expert? Like, like, is it like the formula? Oh, I wish it was that easy, Peter, but it's not. Oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you. It takes. Matt, you can make it easy for everybody. I've heard that about you. Easy. Easy starts with an E. So there's another (laughs) one. No, I'm just explaining why, what an expert is. I don't know what an expert well, Am I an expert? I be- It depends on what we're discussing. What, what, what do you claim to be an expert? Comedy. Oh, yeah, you're the funniest <laughs> man I've ever met. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> you are a good liar, my friend. Peter, we... <laughs> good liar. Um, are you familiar with the libel with the laws? Okay, go ahead. Two <laughs> more. Oh, I'm sorry. It's only libel if it's not factual. <laughs> <laughs> well, to become an expert, you need 10,000 hours of experience, another E, of course, in their, your field. And so if you break it down by 52 weeks in a year, we'll call it 50, give you two weeks for some rest and relaxation with 40 working hours per week. That's 40 hours times 50 weeks in a year. It comes to 2,000 hours. And if you're working at that rate, which we've agreed, most entrepreneurs are probably working double that at 80 hours 
per year or per Buffalo, week. They, they, they have Buffalo work 80 hours a week. <laughs> right. Well, it usually it comes out to about five years. You really need those 10,000 hours to really be considered an expert in whatever field you claim to be. And that usually could work out to five years, maybe two and a half if you're really working hard. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's a good point. And you mentioned one of these, right? Entrepreneur. I mean, he stands for entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are what we're looking for. Entrepreneurs are listening to the show and entrepreneurs are trying to learn about other things. But what is it? Give me a couple more. I know that Tracy has a favorite. Tracy, what is your favorite? I, I, I never can remember, you know, because uh, I don't emphasize. It is, I can't remember. What, what, what is that E that you like, huh? It is so not a seeker. What my favorite E is electrifying. But that's some Greek lightning. Electrifying. I went out London when you do the Greek lightning like you have a southern act. <laughs> I have a southern accent. I have a little accent. You want? I got it. <laughs> All right. Your southern accent is actually starting to improve. I must say, over the last couple of years, you're really honing in a lot. That you, you should, you should probably go back and visit New York soon, so you can, so you can get rid of that southern accent. You, you've taken it. Because I talk to you, because you've been all around the country. You know, you have, you can have that southern accent too if you want. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. So now. Give me just two more reasons why we spell Brian with me. Because our guest was like going, you know, I got to speak to the person who got me on the show because what am I doing here? But anyway, let's go. We'll give you two more quick ones. E is for excitement because being excited gets you going. And you have to have a lot, lot, lot of enthusiasm. That's right. You don't have enthusiasm, you're not going to be you know, on top of your game. We need to be on, the, on your A game. Like E and ask Brian, but we need to be on top of our game. Well, without any further ado, Matt, why do I like the word ado? Well, once again, I've always thought it's because you've just had a real affinity for the French romance language. However, I think it's because it has one consonant and the rest of the letters are vowels. So without any further ado, we are going to bring on our guest to forget the what is going on here? I thought this was going to be a business interview, and all that I'm hearing is southern accents and all kinds of other things, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it on. This is like Sunday Night Live, you know? Why from, where are you? New Jersey? Where, where are you from? We're, hey guys, how are you? I'm actually based in, we're based in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. So very, very close to Saturday Night Live. Why from New York? Why from Brooklyn? All right. And so you, how do you pronounce your name? Because I didn't want to butcher it up. So please. Yeah, uh, sure. My name is uh, Harji. Harji Singh. Harji Singh. And you created this new company. And uh, again, I don't want to mess it up. Loki, whatever. So pronounce the name. Yeah, it's, you, you got it right there. It's called Loki. L-O-K-I. Okay. Wow, I'm two for two. I'm on a roll. And that's, I'm not talking about <laughs> that. We are. All right. Started this company, Loki, and what is Loki? What do you do? So, Loki, we, we're one of the first to market cannabis beverages that was able to sell more at a national level. You know, when we came up with the idea back in, you know, I, it was December of 2020, we came up with this idea. We're like, hey, you know, there's, there's so many different hard shelters on the market. You know, you have... Truly, you have Bite Claw, you name it. Like every every company out there now has alcoholic hard seltzer. But 
there really wasn't much for people who didn't want to drink alcohol because, look, only every 33 years went back, actually, and my neighborhood are just so bad lately, so for me to be alcohol is not even worth it, right? And at the time, we were, it was me and two other friends, and we were just hanging around, and one of them had cannabis gummies. He's like, hey, you want to try a gummy? And the first thing that came to my mind was like, you know what, I'm okay on that because, let's be honest, everybody has had a bad experience with a gummy in their past, so. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm a dummy. But no, you know what? Give it a shot. It's a very light dosage of Delta ATC. I was like, sure, okay, I'll give it a try. I tried this gummy and it was an amazing feeling. You know, I wasn't like super stoned or anything like that. And a light bulb went off in our heads like, hey, why is there a drink on the market or, or, or a beverage on the market that, you know, has Delta ATC in it? Something that you can just grab and go, something that's super accessible, something that tastes delicious. It didn't exist. So right there and there, we're like, let's all do it, right? between me and, and the other two partners that were involved, we kind of had everything that was really needed to take a beverage to, to market. My background is actually in media and advertising and branding. I also own a global advertising media agency based out of New York City. And, you know, we've been working with a lot of CPG brands in the, in the past, beverage brands, hospitality companies, nightlife companies, you know, you name it. Everything was like branding, positioning, digital, A to Z. And the other two partners are actually from the pharmaceutical and cannabis industry. So between the three of us, we had almost every piece of the puzzle to really come up with a, with a, a name, a brand for this beverage, and take it to market. So come January 2021, we all got back into the office and hit the ground running. And believe it or not, we got this beverage on the shelf in four months, everything from like tasting, formulations, packaging, branding, A to Z. And it's really, it's really exciting, you know, it's going to make a massive success or just within the first week of launching, we, we sold almost 1,400 cans online. And that was before we did any marketing or anything. That was just based off word of mouth and kind of teasing it out there. So it's been a very interesting journey so far. <laughs> so let's first go to two things I want to go with. The first is, you know, creating the drink, okay? You know, obviously you have to experiment, come up with the right drink. Could you use companies out there and just tell them, hey, listen, I want it to taste this way and, and use this, these ingredients? Or did you actually do it yourself to try to come up and create something? It was a little bit of both. We, we kind of had an idea what flavor profile we wanted to go with. And then we did work with another company who was on Cade that kind of helped us out just in terms of formulation because it, it's totally different making something at home and coming out with flavors versus doing that skill, right? So coming up with flavors, we did work with another company that helped us sort of narrow down our, our flavor profile. And then I have two more parts of this. The one is, how did you create a distribution network? I mean, were you just selling exclusively online in the beginning, or did you actually try to go to a couple of stores here and there to see if they would take the product? No, that's a great question. So when we first sort of launched, we figured let's, let's start with more of a direct consumer online model. But... What we learned is, you know, if we really want to scale this to the levels that we want, like a Red Bull or something at that level, having a distribution network is super important. So luckily enough, one of the partners that is involved in this business also owns liquor stores all over New Jersey, and they also have a network of other people. That's great, but I mean, yeah, did you go to stores, like, did you go have it online and people were able to buy it online and then you walk into stores and said it's already online, or did you... You know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it was the opposite. You were going to online stores, hoping to get somebody 
and tell them, by the way, it's available online? So the price that we have online to avoid supply chain conflict is going to be a little bit more expensive than it would be if somebody would walk into a store and buy it. So in the earlier stages, we first started off with selling it to retailers that we already knew and had a a sort of connection with. From there, we did a lot of marketing and advertising to get the word out. And, you know, we would get, we still do get a lot of wholesale requests that come into our website on a daily scale. It got to the point where a large distributor in, in Jersey, that was where we got our first distribution deal, sort of noticed that, hey, this, is, this drink is everywhere. Like, why, why don't we have it in our inventory or in our, in our sales pipeline? And it kind of worked that way where a distributor first reached out to us and said, hey, we're noticing that, you know, this drink is everywhere. We saw it at music festivals. We saw it at nightclubs, bars, you know, we'd love to have a chance with you guys to see if we could have uh, a distribution deal from New Jersey. So that was sort of how we landed our first. And how does that work? I mean, are you not limited? So what's the got in order for a million cans? Come on. Is the co-packer going to allow you to make that many, that much production from them or or the limitations, at least at this time? Yeah, no, so that's going to be a, a very good problem to have, I feel like. But currently, with the co-packing sort of network that we have, you could do up to 100,000 cans a month which, you know, is, is pretty, pretty good for us at, at this point. And we're crossing our fingers, hoping that that becomes a problem soon, where we have to do more than 100,000 kids a month. And uh, this is available in all 50 states or, or no? No. So there's 20 states that it's not available in currently. And that's mainly because, you know, those 20 states are trying to figure out regulations around cannabis and how to tax it and all that stuff. And, you know, a few of them are states like, Alaska, Idaho, Iowa, Minnesota, I believe Montana and Michigan is one of those two. And then Dakota, not North Dakota, South Dakota. I just don't know all the, uh, the 20 off the top of my head. But so as of right now, you, you're waiting for the pool in those states. So if somebody orders it online, how do you, you know, I guess you, you block out those 20 states. Is that how it works if somebody tries to order it online? Correct, correct. So there's some states where you know, you're not allowed to physically sell it in the state, but if you order it from somewhere else, you could still get it. But the states where it's not allowed at all, what we do is we'll just not let any customers from that state get those orders. But what is not allowed? That's what I don't understand. I'm not talking about, we're not talking about, you know, marijuana, THC stuff. Cannabis is in a lot of different products. Shampoos even have cannabis in it. So why is there even a restriction? Yeah. So you know? our drink, it's a THC beverage, right? So it still has psychoactive properties. So what we use is that we, the cannabinoid we're using is Delta-8 THC. And the reason we chose to go with Delta-8 is because it has a bit more, it's, it's less mild or more mild, I would say. It's not as intense as the regular THC that everybody you know knows about. More often than not, when anybody says THC or is mentioning THC, they're usually referring to Delta-9 THC, which is another cannabinoid, right? Delta 9 THC is the one that's most popular if anybody, you know, smokes a joint or buys a gully or or anything that has quote-unquote THC in it, it's most likely going to be Delta 9 THC. We're using what's called Delta 8 THC, which is a little bit more mild. You know, it it allows consumers to sort of drink this beverage and not get as, you know, high as they would if it was a regular cannabis product. But to answer your question and why the regulation around it is because at the end of the day, it still is THC. It still has psychoactive properties. Where is it available on stores? I, I understand that you can get it online, but, you know, like, let's say I'm living in Long Island, where I'm from, Are there stores there that I can go and buy it? 
So believe it or not, New York State is one of those states that just in January <laughs> kind of put a pause on Canada's products because they legalized cannabis, you know, sorry, they decriminalized cannabis, and now I think New York State is going to be moving into legalizing cannabis and opening up shops, you know, and, and allowing for recreational use. But until that happens and until that's completely clear, it's a very gray area in New York State right now. And we as a company just chose out of our own, you know, South, but okay, we're going to pull out just until they have it all figured out because the last thing we want is any negative PR or press around our brand because, you know, one bad thing could really destroy an entire company. So, you know, just to play it safe, we were okay, let's, let's pull out of New York State. Even though our headquarters are here in New York, right? We're like, let's pull out of New York State just to make sure until they figure out what they're doing and then we'll, we'll come back into the market. Where can I find product? Yeah, so in, in states like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Florida, Texas, I mean, you can find it in grocery stores, you can find it in, you know, smoke shops, you can find it in bars, restaurants, gas stations, some gas stations will sell it as well. You can find it in a lot of, you know, what we've seen too is whenever there's like large venues or music events, they'll have it up there as well. Like Native in America happened in Philadelphia where, you know, our drink was present there at some point, but we are also in, you know, large beverage shops on a fire ride. And like, you know, you mentioned, we, we, we hope to work our way out to shop rights and the larger retailers as well. It's just a matter of, you know, us, us nailing the right distribution out or growing the right distribution network to get there as well. But I think we're in the right path. How many current employees do you have? Current employees. So currently, it's a very interesting model that we have set up, right? We have three partners, me and two other people. But I had actually owned that advertising agency as well. So I've, we've been able to leverage a lot of the employees that we have and our advertising agency to work on this as like a project. But then we have two or three other people who help out on the operation side. So the actual core team, I would say it's five people, but then we have access to another company that I own that, you know, has been helping a, a lot on a lot of the marketing and branding side of things and social media side of things. Well, and probably that, that other company can probably do the SEO and all that other stuff, which over time exactly. is a long-term, right? Because you don't want to be... And that's exactly how, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how, how we've been able to, you know, get ahead very fast because to get to this scale of marketing and the scale of branding and advertising, it would cost us millions of dollars to really get do that, right? But luckily enough, you know, we were able to kind of hedge those costs by having an in-house agency almost. All right, Tracy, you had some questions. People said, enough, Peter. We want to have questions from Tracy. So pivot. <laughs> I am happy to do that. But I'm not actually going to be pivoting so much as I'm going to be doing a little bit of a deeper dive into the marketing side that we were talking about, how that you were really fortunate because you have a branding agency that was able to support you in the launch of the product and really being able to accelerate the growth through the branding and messaging through your agency. My question is, what are some of the challenges that you face as a marketer in marketing a product that's not legally sold in, in all areas? Yeah, for sure. So I guess, you know, to answer that question, I'm going to split it up in two things because I feel like branding is different than marketing, right? Marketing a product like this is definitely difficult, right? Because the fact, the fact that it's regulated, we can't do anything like social media ads on Instagram or Facebook. We can't do, you know, Google ads or pay-per-click ads or anything like that, which, believe it or not, you know, are probably the two largest channels for digital marketing. 
So as soon as you take that away from a, from a brighter company, it makes it very hard to grow at scale. The fact that we can't do any digital marketing, that also means that our, our competition or anybody else entering the market in this space can't do it as well, right? In a way, we saw that as a opportunity, if anything, right? Because here you have all these brands coming into market that actually can't do any marketing, right? But we were lucky enough that, you know, we knew of alternative methods to market a brand, right? We knew of different ways we can, we can build awareness, different ways we can build funnels for people to kind of consider this product, and different ways we can acquire different customers in, in, in different states, for sure. In regards to marketing in specific states, we, we, we were pretty cautious of marketing in states only where, you know, people could actually get the product. However, we can't control anything on social media if somebody posts you know, a review about it or, or, or I get what we call earned media or if there's press around it in the state where, you know, we can't sell. So that's one side of the equation with the marketing side. Now, the reason why I think, you know, we were pretty successful is because of the branding side, right? We spent a lot of time and effort doing a lot of market research on what kind of consumers we should go after, what should be our messaging, what should be our story, why are we even doing this to begin with, right? And one thing we learned back in, like, I would say, early 2000s, when we were, you know, early 2001, sorry, when we were kind of doing some research before we came up with a strategy for the brand, we learned that, look, as of today, alcohol is the only current option for people looking, you know, to have a beverage that gives them some sort of effect, right? And we, what we learned was that the age group between 21 to about 45, they're all looking for alternatives to alcohol, right? They're looking for something that, not going to give them a handy over. They're not going to have the calories or the carbs that exist there. And, you know, it, it's something that they can enjoy without, you know, regretting it the next day. Let's say that, please. We also saw that, for example, Fortune Business Insights said that the global cannabis beverage market was valued at about $300 million in 2019. They're projecting that to be $8.5 billion by 2027. So the, the market is there for these kind of beverages, right? Now, one big challenge, which I think you brought up, was how can you get consumers to really, you know, buy this beverage? Because it has like a certain stigma around it, right? And, you know, it kind of, it's, it's a little bit more intimidating than just grabbing a beer off the shelf, I would say. And one big part of our, our branding was we wanted to build a brand that even non-cannabis users could relate with, Right. In all our messaging, in all our communication guidelines, in anything you guys see online, we never say anything about, oh, getting stoned or getting high or getting, you know, any negative words or anything like that. We always wanted our brand to be very approachable. We wanted to feel like, you know, it, we wanted to feel like it could fit into someone's life in a very easy way. At the same time, we wanted to feel a little bit exclusive. But, you know, one motto that we have for this brand is it should feel exclusive, yet be accessible. And what that means is you should see celebrities drinking it but you should be able to walk into your local grocery store and pick it up. So for us, I feel like the brand was a, a huge sort of variable for the success that we've had so far. Right. I mean, I was curious because there is, you know, with alcohol, there is already mainstream adopting the product. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree, it's an, it is absolutely a cultural alcohol. It's part of our culture and something that people think Probably in a grocery store, for example, there's the beer aisle, then there's the potato chip aisle, and people don't really get either one of those things too much of a difference of a thought for the most part. So it's interesting yeah. to hear how you're overcoming even just the 
the early adopters versus the mainstream, and I think that's shared by the, the projections in revenue, where you are now, where it's expected to be. What that says to me is that where you are right now, you're still in an early adopter perception phase, and that the trajectory is, is projected as it is is because people are going to get a lot more comfortable and acclimated to purchasing that without stigma. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And that's actually one of the main reasons we chose to do a beverage because the barrier of entry for a beverage is a lot lower, right? Um, smoking cannabis, smoking in general has a bad stigma to it. Cannabis gummies and edibles have some kind of a bad stigma to it. But beverage, it, the barrier of entry is a lot lower. You know, someone is less intimidated to open it up and, and try it versus smoking something or, or, or eating a gummy bread with all the slides. <laughs> But I would also imagine, too, that there's also, there might be people who might be intimidated to walk into a dispensary, but they're not going to be intimidated to walk into a grocery store, or they might be in a grocery store, never thought about trying the product, but since they're in a grocery store with a lot of other common items they purchase, it would be an easy thing for them to pick up and try, just like a new laundry detergent or a new hard seltzer or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Tracy's asking some more questions, and she has them most well. Go ahead, Tracy. Yes. And so we talked about building the brand. We talked about the marketing. Let's talk about how you want to align your growth strategy with those phenomenal projection, industry projections. And what, how are you going to keep up your pace and really perform well and be aligned with those industry projections and grow that way? Yeah, for sure. So one thing we're definitely going to start what we're doing now is actually launching almost five new flavors, which is going to be very exciting. So when we first went to market, we went live with just one flavor. That's all we had. And a big part of our strategy, believe it or not, was actually to not even list what flavor it is on the can. And, and we kind of did that on purpose because we're following the same approach that Red Bull took in a way, right? If you see a Red Bull can, like the original Red Bull can, you don't actually ever say what flavor it is, but it's a very unique flavor profile. So our original flavor is the same. It doesn't say what flavor it is. It's a very unique profile. And the reason we did that is because if you were to drink Red Bull in a, let's say, solo cup by itself, not a can, you still know it's Red Bull, right, just because of the way it tastes, the way that the effects it gives you. We're trying to do the same exact thing, right? So when we lost our first can, you know, we, we did it. It was pretty successful. It was more of a citrus flavor more of like a blueberry, uh, say blueberry light flavored. And then just this year, we launched our, our, our white can, which is more of a lavender peach flavor. And that one, you know, we positioned it more like a summer bud. You could have it at the beach. You could have it at the pool. Some customers actually, quote, unquote, said it's summer in a can, so we kind of went with that. But, you know, we're going to be launching five new flavors. Hopefully, it'll be out by January of Q1 of next year. That's going to be part A of our, you know, trajectory of growth. Having those, having those flavors is going to give us more shelf real estate, so that will drive more brand awareness for, for sure. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to start a program called Loki Arts, where, you know, we're working with a lot of musicians, a lot of international DJs, a lot of artists, been sponsoring a lot of events, and, and working a lot in the music industry and the music field. And again, using Red Bull as an example, what Red Bull did for extreme sports, we're going to do for the music industry. And, you know, we feel like that could be a big step forward for, for getting our brand out there. 
I love that. And so you're, so what I'm hearing you say is you're expanding product line flavors and then you're also going into verticals like the music industry. Any non-traditional verticals that you're exploring just out of curiosity? Nothing yet. You know, we want to stay very true to our products and what we're doing. I, we've seen it happen in the past where a lot of companies try doing so many different things that they forget why they even started to begin with. So we're trying to stay hyper-focused on, on, you know, being what we're calling enhanced seltzers. We kind of came up with that term. An enhanced seltzer is any sort of beverage that's not alcoholic that still gives you some, somewhat of an effect. So we're, we're staying in our lane, to say the least. And, you know, we want, to be, we want to be the best at what we do. We want to get to the point where anytime somebody thinks of a cannabis drink, our brand comes to mind. And you certainly have the skill set and the team to do that, which is amazing. So now I am going to pivot, and I wanted to ask you, as an entrepreneur, clearly you have built and launched multiple successful businesses. What do you think one of the biggest challenges that there's, we have several entrepreneurs who are listening to our show who are in just the concept phase, or they're in the very beginning of their launch phase. You expedited a launch quicker than most food products, especially considering the barriers you had to overcome. But I would like for you to share, like, what are some of the challenges that, as just in general as an entrepreneur, that you have faced that you have overcome? I could right off the bat say a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in what's called analysis pro. It's just overthinking and trying to be prepared, you know, trying to overprepare for things. And I just have to say, you know, no one will ever be 100% prepared to do anything. That's, that's just what I've seen, right? So for any other entrepreneurs listening out there, if you have an idea, just go for it, just do it. You know, you'll, you'll learn a lot of things. You'll make a lot of mistakes as you build. But as long as you, you know, get started, getting started, I think, is the most important thing. Not writing a business plan for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, not thinking about what to do. I'm not saying don't do any of that, but I'm saying, you know, don't overanalyze things. Just, you know, put the wheels in motion. And then what is probably one of the most rewarding things that you could share about being an entrepreneur? <laughs> not having to respond to anyone else. <laughs> definitely, that's, that's definitely, I would say, the top thing there. You know, setting, being able to set your own hours, your own schedule. Look, in the early stages of any entrepreneur, you will, you will work more than you would if you had a nine-to-five, that's for sure. But, you know, you're putting in the hustle, the time now, so that, you know, in the future, you can have a little bit more of a lax life. You know, I'm fortunate enough to say, you know, now after... What the, the company that I started, almost a, you know, a decade old now, you know, I'm able to sort of take a step back, spend more time uh, doing things that I love enjoying, that I love producing music, you know, I, I do a lot of that. Now that's a lot of things that are in cruise control, I would say, it, all that hard work in earlier years definitely pays off. Work smarter, not harder. You know, I'm a huge advocate that this whole hustle culture is very toxic, you know. So you don't have to be working 100 hours a week, I would just say just work smarter, not harder. Tracy had another question to ask, and I know everyone's going to be sad, but we are going to need to the end. Tracy, what was your question before everybody starts getting sad? Oh, I know, and it's such a good question. And that is, so you've operated a lot as a solopreneur, but you mentioned earlier in the show that you now have two partners with your current endeavors. So tell us about what are the differences between being a solo entrepreneur and how it is to work with two partners within corporation? Yeah, sure. You know, both 
definitely have their pros and cons, being a solo entrepreneur or being in a partnership with other other business partners. You know, on the solo entrepreneur side, you're the one making all the decisions. There's no one else to really, you know, check you, give you any checks and balances, which can be a bad thing at some times. But it's a lot faster, I would say, because, you know, there's no one else to make decisions. But at the same time, it can be more difficult because you're the one doing everything. Now, in the partnership, being a, being a partner, having a business partner, I, it's almost like being married to someone, right? You know, you have to trust them, has to be communication. They have to know what their role is in, in the business, right? But at the same time, it can take a lot of weight off of your shoulders because you're not doing everything, right? As a team, you also have to make sure that everybody's bringing the same amount of value to it. So there's no sort of, you know, conflicts in the future. And you just have to be very transparent and, and communicate. But I think, you know, being in a partnership is a very solid way to grow a lot faster, especially if there's other partners are bringing value to the table in the form of skill sets or it can even be financially. Love that. Well, I know the big question that everyone wants the answer to, and I know I do, is where can people get in touch with you? How can people get in touch with you? And, and how can people order and purchase the product? The product? Yeah, for sure. So to learn more about, <laughs> so to learn more about the product itself, you can you can simply search uh, Loki Seltzers, L-O-K-I Seltzers, or you could find us at siploki.com, S-I-P-L-O-K-I.com. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me on on LinkedIn or Instagram. I guess my Instagram handle will be the fastest to find me or, or direct message me. My Instagram is going to be Sir Harji Singh, S-I-R-H-A-R-J-I. S-I-N-G-H, and the Instagram for our company is Siploki, S-I-P-L-O-K-I. That's so great. I love that. Siploki, L-O-K-I.com. And if you, are driving, if you are driving in really congested traffic right now, we do not want you to try to write down that contact information or try to make notes on all of the great points that were made in today's show. We want you to... Go to your favorite podcast app, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and we want you to follow the Ask Brian podcast. Of course, that's Ask Brian, B-R-I-E-N, and you can not only download this episode, but you can also get all of our previous episodes, and if you really, really love the podcast, we ask you to go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or share it out to your friends on social. But most importantly, stay connected with us through the show and through the podcast, Ask Brian Podcast. All right. I think we might even have some time for some bonus questions. No, we do have a couple more questions. Well, how did you come up with a name? Rocky. Oh. Great question. So uh, when we were brainstorming, whiteboarding and whatnot, we thought, we took a step back. It was like, hey, when does somebody want to actually experience this drink or have this drink? And we thought, you know, even for ourselves, we're like, we want to drink this, but we want to keep things low key. Like, you know, if you want to keep it very low key. And we're like, oh my God, that's it. Okay, low key. <laughs> and how hard was it to get the domain name? So we have sip Loki. Obviously, we couldn't get Loki.com. Hopefully, when we do become a billion-dollar corporation one day, we can buy Loki.com. But sip, sip Loki, S-I-P-L-O-K-I, was available. 
We also bought, you know, multiple of other domains that brought back to us, like Drink Low Key or Enjoy Low Key or anything like that. But yeah, you know, we were lucky that Sip Low Key was available. So since you have an agency background, we only have another minute or two, you know, what are some things people can do that are starting a company to get SEO going that aren't, you know, billion-dollar companies and they're just starting out? I've heard writing blog articles may be good. What do you think are the best things to do? Give us three things. Writing blog articles? Yeah, writing, writing blog articles is definitely great. You know, influencer marketing is huge. It really depends on what kind of product it is, you know. But I would say if you're not in a regulated space like we are, Instagram marketing can go on very, very far as well as, you know, Google marketing. But on the SEO front, you want to make sure that your, your page is very keyword optimized. So you're targeting specific, you know, keywords that people are looking for. And that's usually the first step. But then, you know, from there, you want to make sure you're getting a lot of good backlinks that are linking back to your website that could come in the form of mentions on different blogs or different publications. Well, that's, that's great. You've been a great guest. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're listening to KHS 1290 FM. If you want to listen to us, you can go to Poddef, Spotify, Apple, everywhere. We'll be around. We'll be there. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Tracy. Thanks for watching this thing. Good luck to looking. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.